The gospel lesson for this morning will serve as the basis for our children's devotion and also for the basis of our sermon. It comes from Luke chapter 16. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, They will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. Thanks for coming up. We just heard a a portion of God's word that had two comparisons. And I, I think you'll agree with me that these are both very obvious comparisons. So what we're going to do is we're going to compare the two things that are in these two comparisons, and then we're going to compare the two comparisons. You following all that? You will. If God said to you, you have a choice between being very rich and being very poor, I mean so rich that you have all the things you could ever want, and being so poor that you go to bed every night starving, and not to mention are you so hungry, but your entire body is covered with disease and you're in pain all the time. Which one sounds better, being very rich and having everything or being very poor and miserable? Be honest. What sounds better? The rich one, right? Way better. Then the second comparison is a man who's suffering forever in hell, forever and ever and ever, just suffering, and it never ends. And then there's a man who's comforted forever and ever and ever. He's comfortable, he's happy, he's at peace, and it'll never end. Now, which one sounds better? Heaven, right? Sounds amazing. Now, if you compare the two comparisons, the first one, being rich, ends. When does it end? When you die. And suffering, being poor and suffering, ends. When? When you die. The second one, they never end. That's the difference, right? The one goes on forever and ever. The other one ends. Today, Jesus is painting a picture for us. He's saying, look at the difference. 
These are very different things. And he wants us to know that God wants us in heaven. He wants us to know that whether we're rich or poor in this life, the word of God which teaches us all these things, which teaches us how serious our sins are, and which teaches us how serious our God is about saving us by sending his son to be our savior, God wants us to know how important his word is because if it wasn't for his word to teach us these important things, we would have no idea. And so it turns out that the word of God, which teaches us the truth about eternity, heaven and hell, true riches and true poverty, forgiveness of sins and eternal life with Jesus. It's the word of God which teaches us these things. That's actually the most important, most valuable thing we have in this life. It's more important than anything else you could possibly have. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, the word of God will always be the most valuable thing you have. Let's say a prayer and ask our God to help us value his word. Heavenly Father, You love us enough to to be honest with us even when it's hard for us to hear. Today you want us to to remember how valuable your word is even when we often get distracted by other things in this world and think other things are more important. You continually come back to us in your word and remind us just how valuable it is. Help us to cherish the, the wonderful blessing of the good news that our sins are forgiven in Jesus. Help us to value your word more and more every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I think I know why this is. I think it just so happened to be that as Christian men were digging deeper into theology and studying it and wanting to understand it better. The language of the day became the language that coined the terms. But I still don't like Latin. When you're studying theology, there are these remnants of the Latin language all over the theological books. All these terms defining theological truths. And if you don't know what the Latin terms mean, it's really hard to remember which one's which. And so a lot of times when I'm brushing up on theological things, I got to phone a friend, I got to use the internet to remind me what does this Latin phrase or that Latin phrase mean again. But there's one that I've, I've always been able to hold on to. Crux teologorum. It means cross of the theologian. It's these two competing truths. At least they seem competing because they put our mind into a pretzel. The first one, God wants all to be saved. The second, not all will be saved. These are clear as day in the portions of scripture that I'm going to share with you here just briefly. This is Old Testament. This is Ezekiel chapter 18. The Lord says, do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? 
And then in, sec- in 1 Timothy chapter 2, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. You don't have to dig real deep into theology to just learn this beautiful, simple truth. God wants all people to be saved. And yet you also don't have to dig too hard to find that hard reality. Not everyone will be. You've heard this one before, I'm sure, but maybe not the verses that come after it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So there you have it, right in John chapter 3, verses 16, 17, and 18. God wants all to be saved, but not all will be. It's called the cross of the theologian because the more you come to know God's grace for you, the more you come to know and appreciate that God loves even you, even a sinner like you, just as he loves a sinner like me, that he would come to rescue me and you, the more you appreciate it, and the more your will becomes like God's will. It's this amazing thing that happens when we study theology. It's this amazing thing that happens when we come to appreciate God's grace, his love shown to sinners like us who don't deserve it. We actually start to want what God wants. We start to will what God wills. And we don't want what God doesn't want. And so we also want everyone to be saved. And as we find ourselves wanting everyone to be saved, the idea that not everyone will be saved is gut-wrenching. This is why it's called a cross. It weighs heavy on the theologian. It weighs heavy on your back as you walk through life. My heart goes out to this formerly rich man as I hear of his agony. Doesn't yours? How can you listen to this and not just feel for the man, even wish there was a way out for the man. And yet here he is, suffering away, still to this day. And an amazing thing reveals itself on the pages of God's word as we assess what's happening to this man. He is super hyper aware of this truth that God wants all to be saved. God wanted him to be saved. God sent his son to save even this formerly rich man now in hell. And yet he's also intimately aware what the second truth is, isn't he? That not all will be as he is not. And then what happens? He wants these two truths to be known by his five brothers who are still alive. But he thinks he has a better plan for how those truths should be communicated. Because God's plan didn't work on him. 
So from hell, he has a better idea. Abraham, send Lazarus to my five brothers. Surely if they see a dead man, come to tell them just how bad hell is and how great heaven is, then they'll repent and turn. And you have this fascinating dialogue between Abraham and this formerly rich man where Abraham assures him that is not how it works. Listen again. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He's confident, isn't he? Abraham said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Now that is a statement about the word of God. They won't believe even if a formerly dead person comes to life and shares truths with them. But the word of God is powerful enough to convince even your five brothers. That tells us something about just how valuable God's word is. People know things about God without the word of God. They know that God exists, but not what kind of God or how many gods there are. We don't know that. We know that God is powerful and wise, but again, we don't know how many gods there are or what kind of God this powerful and wise God is. And we know something's wrong between us and him, her, they, it, whatever this God is or God's who's powerful and wise, something's wrong between us and God. But that's all we know. And so we need this word of God, this Bible, this library of 66 different books written over 1,500 years by more than 40 different authors. We need this book, the word of God, to tell us the rest. And it tells us everything. And because it tells us everything about who we are and what we've done and about who God is and what he's done, it is the most valuable thing we have, but you wouldn't know it. Now, I have to be really careful because I'm talking to Americans. So we have to make sure we understand rich and poor. I am not aware of anyone at this church who was unable to get to church because of lack of access to an automobile. I'm also not aware of anyone at this congregation who goes to bed very, very hungry every night because there is no food in the house. Many people here do not consider themselves wealthy. And yet, by the standards of the world, we are more like the rich man than we are like poor Lazarus. This guy is described as having the nicest clothes. Who of you wears the clothes you don't like, the clothes that aren't comfortable? You get rid of those and you get different ones that are more comfortable. And the lives in luxury every day, it's this idea that he has daily fabulous meals. Every day he has fabulous meals. A lot of Americans that I know have pretty fabulous meals day after day. We're more like the, the rich man than we are like Lazarus. Some suffer here. Some have bodies that are breaking, that are in great pain. Some experience real, real poverty. But again, we're more like the rich man than Lazarus, so let's be careful here and just get it out of the way. The rich man did not go to hell because he was rich. And Lazarus did not go to heaven because he was poor. The wealth really had nothing to do with it. It was about how they valued God's word. The rich man did not value God's word at all. 
And you still see that while he's in hell. He still doesn't value it at all. He still finds it to be worthless for the task that God himself has sent it out to accomplish. He's got a better way. Not the word of God, but the word of a dead man. The word of God is the most valuable thing that we have. Is it for you? That's the hard question for today. Is the word of God more valuable to you than all your stuff? Is the word of God more valuable to you than a working air conditioner in the summer? A furnace that warms your home in the winter? Is the word of God more important to you than your next destination, your next experience? Is the word of God more important to you than a meal or a bowl full of wine? It should be. But if we're honest, it often is not. We fall into this trap of loving the stuff that God has given us in this world more than we love him and his word. We're not all that different from the people that Amos took the task. We're not all that different from people who fall in love with temporary solutions to an eternal problem. We need Jesus. And we need him desperately. We need the help that God offers to us. Did you hear the the promise that God made and the confession in the, the reading from Hebrews? Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? For people like you and me who have an eternal problem that really needs help, we have the Lord who is our helper. And this is why Lazarus matters so much. Not the man, but his name. Did you notice that the formerly rich man doesn't have a name? He's never named, but Lazarus is. Do you know what Lazarus means? It's the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Eliezer. You might remember Abraham had a servant named Eliezer of Damascus. Well, Eliezer means the one whom God has helped. You think Jesus picked this name for a reason? I think so. Lazarus, the poor man who was in agony every moment of his life, it seems, was also the one God had helped, and he knew it. He knew that he was one God had helped by sending the one who teaches us this very important but hard truth. The stuff that cannot help us in this life, the word of God, helps us in death. The promises of God who sent his one and only son to rescue a world full of lost sinners just like you and me. Oh, now this, this is the thing. To know that God has helped us. And so I want you to walk out of here today and I want you to remember your name. You are Lazarus. You are the one God has helped. Amen.